Hey, I'm in a series that I'm beginning today called Walking with God, and this to me is a fascinating thing because I don't want you to be running from God, I want you to be walking with God, <laughs> you know what I mean? And as a matter of fact, there are four people in the Bible, we're going to look at the first one, Enoch, that were given the title Walking with God. Of course, it was Noah, we're going to talk about him in just a couple of minutes, and there was Abraham who walked with God as far as the obedience to the covenant that we have. And then there was Zacharias, which was, he was a priest at the time of Jesus coming and Jesus' birth. But these four men were actually given the title, or you're allowed me to say that, or the, the phrase, walking with God. But if you'll turn to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, Enoch is the, guy, is the gentleman I want to study. There's only nine verses of scripture about Enoch. He's a fascinating person. And the reason why he's always been fascinating to me is this very statement. We're going to get to in just a second um, and look into his life for just a couple of minutes and may he inspire you and motivate you, as I said, not to, to walk with God, not to run from God, not to jog with God, not to you know, be a, a distance from God, but to walk. Everybody say walk. Walk is something special, and uh, we'll talk about this in just a moment here. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, beginning in verse number 5, it says this. It says, by faith Enoch was taken away. So here's the first, what we would call the rapture uh, phraseology. And uh, notice what it says. He was taken away so they did not see death. It, this, and this is interesting. He's the first person in the Bible, or there's only two in the Bible, and we'll get to the second one. But he's the first one that was taken away. Literally, he walked so close to God that I like to say it like this, that he was walking so close to God that God said, hey, listen, we're just walking together. Why don't you just walk on to the next level and come on up here and be with me forever? And that's what happened. But anyway, we're going to get that in just a second. It says, by faith, everybody say by faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not, did not see death, and he was not found. So that means that, you know, there's no body, okay? Just like there's no body for Jesus, there's no body for Enoch. And it says, because God had taken him. Notice that. God had taken him, but before he was taken, he had this testimony, and his testimony was this, that he pleased God. Notice that phrase, he pleased God, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. This is verse number six. But without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then verse seven that connects to this, because we're going to get to Noah here in just a moment, because Noah is actually connected to Enoch. Noah is actually, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Noah is actually Enoch's great-grandson. And it says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, or being led of the Lord, built, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he, which he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. Let's go to the book of Genesis, or following the book of Genesis. This is a fascinating chapter, and I would encourage you to read this. It. Genesis chapter 5, it's, it's only um, 32 verses long. But it lists all this heritage of people, beginning with the genealogy of Adam. And, uh, and I, we don't have time to go through each of uh, uh, all these verses. But uh, if, you, if you begin, you'll see that every person listed here from Adam, of course, Adam himself, and it listed how long they lived. I mean, some of these people uh, lived nearly a thousand years. I mean, that's a long time. There was something special in the water back then, was there not? <laughs> 
I mean, we're talking about long life. You talk about taking hold of Social Security, Mr. Anderson. They were getting their benefits out of everything. So uh, anyway, and thank God that they didn't have to deal with Social Security. Notice what it says right here. It says that each one of these men, as you look at it just briefly, every single one of them died. However, when you get over to the, to the verse I want you to get to, which is verse 21, it says, Enoch, I mean, it, it, and again, Please, I, I can't read it all, but it says every person died. And then you get to verse number 21. It says, Enoch, he lived 65 years. Everybody say 65 years. And you say, why, why is that important, Pastor Brian? Because it continually confirms my preaching for all this time that I'm up here and always will be up here, that you, the older you get, the better you get, right? And notice what happened to him at 65 years old. Check this out. At 65 years old, watch this. Uh, verse number 21, Enoch was 65 years old, and he begot Methuselah. So he had a child at 65. I don't know if I can talk Sheila into that, but I would like to. But anyway, moving right along. Notice what it says when I get to be 65, which is a long time from now. But anyway, no, nah, we're, 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 we've got all the children we need right now. So hallelujah. But notice what it says here. I think it's funny, though, that when he begot Methuselah, watch this now, watch this. When he begot Methuselah, what happened to him? What happened to him? Notice this. He says he walked with God. Isn't that interesting? So for 65 years, he was not walking with God. Then all of a sudden, when he has Methuselah, what happens? He walked with God for 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So it's interesting. He had no children. He's married. And then all of a sudden, he has this first child, and then he has more children. And in the busyness of that, and yet going, he lived 300 years, but no, 365 years. Look, look what it says here. He what, walked with God 300 years. I'm telling you what, ladies and gentlemen, what a powerful testimony. What a powerful thing to say about an individual. There's only nine verses about Enoch in the entire Bible. Uh, basically re makes reference to him. But to have that connected to your name, to me, is one of the most beautiful things that can be said about you as an individual or me as an individual, that you walk with God. But notice what it says here. It says that... Um, all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And so here's that phrase again, God, God took Enoch because he walked with him to a point and to a place that all of a sudden, what happened to him? God literally took him. I just want to take a little journey here. There's, there are five things, if they will help me pull those up on the screen. They're just, again, I sort of like the, I'm a, I'm a historian, I'm a history guy. I like the history channel. I like biographies, and, and I was raised by my dad to really enjoy that, and I do personally. And I just want to list to you five things that, about Enoch's life that are just fascinating. And because this man is really unique. I mean, not, not only did he had this phrase that he walked with God, but it says that God literally took him, that he had this remarkable relationship with the Lord, that he walked so closely. And by the way, ladies, it's not just, you know, a man only, but I'm talking about us as a people. You say, well, that's a different generation. That was a different time. Yes, I mean, he actually, as you study the genealogy of this, and I don't have the time, but I've been studying this week. It's fascinating to me that, that when Enoch was alive, Adam was still alive. And so, I mean, he was only seven generations away from Adam. 
And so uh, they were all living together. I mean, these people had long life. They had longevity of life. And uh, some say that, you know, it's because the atmosphere and all that was different. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I I can't, you know, some people would try to interject all this political stuff in here and say the earth was different. But anyway, regardless, all I know is if you read Genesis chapter 5, these people were all alive at the same time and living together. I mean, just think about it. What if, what if we were, what if Abraham Lincoln had not been assassinated and he was still alive right now? If people lived 200 years, you know, wouldn't that be fascinating? I mean, Abraham Lincoln going to the, you know, presidential inauguration. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I, I just happened to be in a bookstore yesterday and I saw a particular president putting his hand on the very Bible that Abraham Lincoln, you know, swore his oath on. Well, what if Abraham Lincoln was right standing right near him? <laughs> I mean, you know, you said, Pastor Brown, that's strange and weird. No, I mean, I mean, Genesis chapter five, these people were living long and they were living past the ages that we are accustomed to. And I think the beauty of Enoch is that at 65 years old, his life began. And in our society, Society, man, they're saying at 65, life ends, right? I mean, if you, you know, you're 20 years old, if you're not playing professional football, or if you're not making this money, or you're not doing that, if you don't have your college degree by 25, or this perfect job scenario, life is over with. That's not true, according to the Bible. As a matter of fact, it says right here, this man's life began at 65. He started having his family at 65. And I think it's interesting. Anyway, let's look at this. Number one, uh, Enoch's lifespan was 365 years. Number two, which we discovered, Enoch walked with God and he didn't experience death. Now that to me is an amazing thing. He did not die. God took his body. Isn't that awesome? I mean, just think about it. He never tasted of death. And we're going to talk about another man here in just a moment that didn't. As a matter of fact, well, I guess we can go to that. Uh, yeah, 2 Kings chapter 11. 2 Kings chapter 11. Again, I'll just read it to you. 2 Kings chapter. This is Elijah and Elisha. But this is fascinating too. I mean, you say, Pastor Brian, you know, uh, what is the symbol of these men being taken without dying? Well, I think it's a symbol of a generation, hopefully the one that I live in, you live in, that will not experience death. That we will not, I'm not looking for a hole in the ground, I'm looking for a hole in the sky. <laughs> so, but we have a mission right now. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, this is what it says about Elisha, Elijah and Elisha. And again, please, this is a, a whole nother story within itself. I'd encourage you to read it, 2 Kings chapter 2. And this is talking about how uh, Elisha wanted the mantle of Elijah. Then all of a sudden, in verse 11, as they were going through this uh, situation that happened, and I'm just reading verse 11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly, everybody say suddenly, a chariot. Now this is, this is funny. Enoch was literally, I think Enoch was walking and God just literally, just, he just walked right into heaven. Isn't that amazing? And it says right here in verse 11, it says, Then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. Isn't that awesome? I don't know about you, but man, God knows how to put some things into drama. Y'all make fun of my movie, The Ten Commandments. I mean, you think it's pretty awesome. I still think it is after all these years, even though, you know, technology today and movie production is far superior than it was then. But that's pretty awesome still, and I'm going to be watching here in the next couple weeks, and it's still my favorite movie, and I know every line of it. I know every scene of it. I could quote it all to you from, from the beginning to the end. However, I'm telling you what, God's ultimate DVD or, or video production If we could see it, to see something like this, a chariot of fire picking this man up and taking him to heaven. Why did God do that? 
Why did he do that? Why did these men not experience death? Because these men were walking with God. You say, they're special people. We're all special. These two men make a, made a choice to walk with God. They made a decision to obey God. Notice what it says in number three, point number three. It says, Enoch's great-grandson was Noah. So not only did Enoch affect his life and his other uh, Methuselah, who actually is the oldest person in the Bible, he affected Noah. And what about Noah? We'll turn back to Genesis chapter 6. We were at Genesis 5. Genesis chapter 6, verse number 9. Or notice what it says here about, yeah, in, in Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse 9. I'm going to read this out of the Amplified. Genesis 6, 9. This is good in the Amplified. This is talking about Noah. And uh, again, this is uh, before the flood. So I want you to know about Enoch. He was living in a time very similar to ours, ladies and gentlemen. It's, this was before the flood. And, uh, and his great-grandson, Noah, was what was used by God to be the key person to what? You know, get the ark in order and to prepare the way that, um, you know, this flood would happen because God was literally starting all over, if you allow me to say it. Well, he did start all over. And uh, notice what it says here in Genesis 6, 9. Uh, you, I'll be reading it to you, but we can read it. It says, this, these are the records of the generations, the family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. Notice this. And what? look at this at the end of verse 9. What did Noah do? He walked and lived what? In habitual fellowship with God. Let's read that together. Noah walked, lived in habitual fellowship with God. One more time. Noah walked, lived in habitual fellowship with God, just like his, his dad did. Or he, you know, again, his, the, he, he was a descendant of Enoch. And look what he's doing here. In the middle of the midst of what it says, that's what it says here. It says, back up there, it says, in the, walking blameless in, the, in his evil generation. Noah walked and lived in habitual fellowship with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what, these two men are inspiring as their legacy. One, Enoch to his, grand, to his great-grandson, Noah, about how to deal and respond and react to evil generations and evil times. And we're living in that. We're living in times where men and women are absolutely, their consciousness are, are seared concerning the things of God. They don't value what you and I value. And arguing with them politically, in my opinion, is not really the answer, even though, you know, government and politics and all those things are a part of our life, but getting in a, in a debate politically is not the answer. It's living like this man lived. What did he do? Live blamelessly before God, walked in a habitual fellowship with God, and God honored him and saved his family. And I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, to me, that's what I want. I want to, I want to see believers walking with the God, and I want to see their families affected for the Lord. I don't want to ever have to hear about a family member of yours perishing this earth without knowing Jesus Christ, if we can be in agreement. I, I just know that you and I can come in agreement for the salvation of that loved one, regardless how far they walked with, away from God. That you and I are walking in fellowship with God. We're believing God, and we're going to believe God for people to be born again, even the hardest of people. And Dave Nillette and Shelby over here to my right would be a, glad to tell you after a service or talk to you anytime via technology because they have been in prisons 
many, many years of their ministry and, of course, their association through her dad, a prison ministry, and they've seen the hardest of the hard. And both of these two have led people to the Lord that society would give up on and say, hey, there's no chance. And, you know, you say, well, that's prison salvation. Well, I don't know. Yes, there is, and there is prison salvation. They, they would, I've heard two of them talk about that. I've been with them. We've ministered together in these environments. But at the same time, I do know this because I've been with them too. There's been sincerity. There have been people that said, you know what? Yes, I've messed my life up. Yes, I have walked another way, but I want to walk this way. Show me how. Even though I have to pay this price, I'm going to walk in this direction. And the beauty of that's the reason why we would go. I mean, the hours and the money and the time and the ministry and the, and the effort. And by the way, there's no financial gain in prison ministry. And Dave and Shelby will tell you, they've spent thousands and thousands of dollars with their family as well as people they're associated with. There's no money in it, but there is this one thing, that a life that seemed to be or deemed impossible to reach was reached because somebody reached out to them in spite of the environment they were in. To say, hey, there's forgiveness, there's mercy and grace, yes, you you're paying a price, but you can walk in fellowship with God, even wearing that white suit, even incarceration. And maybe you will get free. Maybe there'll be a time that you'll be released, but you can know God in spite of the evilness that you participated. Isn't that beautiful? That's the grace of God. And I tell you what, Adam, bless his heart, he, and I think Enoch and Adam got to talking. And one day they said, Adam told Enoch, I mean, again, because they lived together. He said, I was walking with God in the garden, and then I didn't, and I messed up. And I think that inspired Enoch at 65 years. This is just me now. That Please, this is Pastor Brian. This is just Pastor Brian thinking about it, okay? So anyway, when I get to heaven, uh, you know, uh, past 100 years old, then I'll ask Enoch about this if Jesus tarries. And when you see us talking about it, you'll know. I'll say, Enoch, at 65 years old, what happened to you? I think it's what Enoch would say. I came to the decision after talking to Adam that I wanted to walk with God, and I wanted to live my, and that, that, that I believe, I believed at that time, the older you get, the better you get. <laughs> See, there's my phrase, okay? The older, y'all, listen, y'all just might as well get used to it. The older you get, the better you get, right? And so uh, uh, Enoch bought into that at 65, went to his wife and said, listen, we don't have any children now. Let's get started. So they started having children, and man, life got better and better and better. And all of a sudden, for 300 years, not 30 days, 300 years, this man walked with God and changed the destiny of Christianity because he walked with God. Noah walked with God, affected Abraham. Abraham affected all the genealogy that was before him, including King David, all the way to the time of Jesus' birth because one man walked with God. You say, well, Pastor Brian, what about me? That's right. Yes, you. You and I can walk with God and affect generations. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll tell you what, this is inspiring about this man. Not a lot is said, but a lot is implied in the fact of who he is and what he did was tremendous. Notice what it says. Let's go back to Hebrews 11.1. 1. I'm reading out of the New King James just a moment here. Hebrews 11.1, 1. it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It says, For by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. And who, who has a good testimony here? Enoch had a good testimony. He walked with God. I'll never forget this. I just, I'm just so reminded of this. I went to Bentonville, Arkansas many times. I preached in a church up there, a pastor friend of mine that's, not, that's near the Walmart headquarters in Bentonville. And 
And of course, the founder of Walmart was a godly man, and I honor him and respect him immensely. And he loved the Lord, and he was so humble in, in his, his way he approached life, especially in what he did with Walmart. But he, he, he wanted so much to have the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And George, w, I mean George H. Bush gave that to him. And when you go to this man's grave, the founder of Walmart, you don't see anything but his name and the date. And right below his uh, tombstone area there is, uh, by the way, this was back in the days, the last time I was there, when Walmart had the little smiley faces, you know. Well, it has Sam Walton's name on the grave and just the dates. And then people come by and stick stickers and Walmart stuff on there, you know, and whatever. But it, it, down at the base of it, it says, recipient of the Presidential Medal of Freedom. That's all he wanted to be remembered by. Not as the founder of Walmart, not as a giver, not doing this, not doing that. Walmart's what, biggest employer in the world, basically. Uh, but he wanted to be remembered because he wanted to be the best American possible. And ladies and gentlemen, you know, when your life is said and done, which one day will happen, even if Jesus comes and brings us through the rapture, you got to look back and what do you want said of your life? I want it said as your pastor, as a man, as a brother, in the Lord, as a friend, that you walked with God so close that God wanted to bring you home. He desired to bring you home. Some people say, how can we get Jesus to come back sooner in this evil generation? I believe this. We should have a testimony that by faith we believed God regardless of the evil in the world. That even though we can cut on the news and now every, every day I go through the news in about two minutes. I have a, a particular news app. I go through it in about two minutes and that's it. I've just really pushed it to the side. You're not going to hear me debating or arguing with you. Listen, I've been in politics all my life. I grew up in it. Uh, I see both sides of it. I know the Democrat, the Republican. I work for both sides. Uh, it'd be like talking to Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones' son, about you know football issues. He just knows it. He grew up in it. Uh, I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. But I want you to know there's something more important to life than that. There really is. Is it important, Pastor Brian? Yes, it's important. But what's more important is the testimony, as it says right here, of what? Knowing God. That by faith, <clears throat> verse 3, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things but which are visible. Notice verse 5. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, that even though he obtained a witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, that though he being dead yet still speaks. I mean, you walk with God, you obey God, you're giving, your life of obedience will speak even when you're gone. I want that said of you. I really do want that said of you. Because it says right here, then the next thing, by faith Enoch was taken away and he did not see death and was not found. You know why? Because God had taken him because he had this testimony. He pleased God. He was so sensitive. Now, I'm not talking about, again, we think that Enoch was, went to a monastery and was you know, hidden away. Enoch had one child, and it doesn't record it, but he had many, many children, and he was a senior adult, and yet he was walking with God. I think that's interesting, is it not? He had children, he had a family, and he was growing older, or, or but numerically, and yet what, what happened here? The older he got, the better he got. Mm, I just, I'm resting my, I know I'm preaching about that senior adult living, but you know, it really, it really bothers me that people get older, they act like they're going to get more broke down. 
You know, the only regret I have in my life physically right now is I have I want more hair. I just do not want to go get something on my head. And, you know, I just right now I enjoy the fact that me and Dave, man, we got we got it easy now. We just get in the shower and boom, that's it, okay? Uh, I mean, it's just, you know, uh, anyway, moving right along. Other than that, I feel young. I feel strong. I feel healthy. But, and, and more importantly, my, my physical is my personal on the inside. And this is how it works. Verse number six, without this faith, Without this believing, without this believing, it's impossible to please God. Notice the key in verse number six. It says, He who comes to God must believe that he is, and that everybody say this, he is a rewarder. Everybody say he's a rewarder. He's a rewarder of those who what diligently seek him or diligently walk with him. Without faith, it's impossible. To please God. You cannot please God by what you do. You've got to please God by believing who he is. That he is almighty God. He is your father. He loves you unconditionally. He has a divine reason for you to be here. And he wants you to walk in habitual relationship with him. And to come to him and to believe him for anything in your life. I, I, I'm telling you what, you just, when you never limit God, people told me right after I got born again, and I had a little bitty seed inside of me that, you know, that you, you know, playing the drums is what you need to do. The music industry is what you need to do. And I enjoyed that, the music industry, and still do to this day. And uh, as far as things that I want to do, and still playing the drums every single day, I enjoy it immensely. And, um, but preaching the gospel, people told me that would never happen. But I had a desire in me to do what I'm doing today, and I felt like I could be an excellent communicator, not because of the, uh, my, my speech patterns or my presentation, but because of my heart, because I love God, and I knew that if you would walk with him, he would reward that, because if you diligently sought him to live in a life of fellowship with him, that not only would that please him, but that would be the best thing for your life, and it would help you to help others when you're walking with God, and not being religious, and not being weird, but being a person that knows God. Anyway, I, I just think it's interesting about Enoch, and we're, and we're going to go one more thing here, and I'm going to go to some things I want to share with you, and we're closed. Over in Jude chapter uh, 1, or there's only, there's only one chapter in Jude, Jude verses 14 and 15, that's the last book before the book of Revelation. Here's where it mentions Enoch, and look what he did in his generation. And again, remember now, you think our generation's evil. And we got some problems, do we not? But man, God was so upset at that generation that he had Enoch say this, and then after that came the flood, which was where Noah's family was saved. But notice what it says here in Jude chapter verse number 14. Jude 14. It said, now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied. Everybody say prophesied. He spoke to all these men saying, behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them all that are ungodly deeds, among them all their ungodly deeds, which they have com committed in ungodly way and all and and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So what is Enoch doing in his generation? He's not, you know, again, being political, but he is making a stand against things that are not right. And he is saying, hey, there is the way to walk. And what is that way? Well, that way is what God says over here in, in Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 8. Uh, just watch this verse on the screen if you can't get to it. This, that's at the end of the um, New, uh, Old Testament. Micah 6, 8. Notice what it says here. 
This is, this is really my heart cry for you today as we begin to close this, or, or well, we'll go to it next week. Micah, notice what it says here in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Let me get to that, and uh, I just want to read it myself. You know, I, again, I, I want to read things to you because I want you to believe the fact that it's coming out of the Bible, not out of a computer, <laughs> and, and not just something that I'm quoting. And uh, I, maybe I may be old school, but at the same time, I believe that this book, you'll never catch me, even though I carry my phone around constantly, you'll never, never catch me without a Bible. It's just, it's going to be close to me. And, um, well, I had, my, I had uh, Micah there a little while ago. <laughs> So where there it is. Okay. Notice what it says here in Micah 6 eight, And I think it's important for you to read it out of the Bible. I was talking to William Henry about it yesterday. It's just something about the smell and feel of a Bible, is there not? And thank God for computer technology. You know, thank God to have it on your phone. Listen, it's awesome, you know. Yesterday I was walking around and boom. I mean, you know, you can look up scriptures on your phone while you're in the Walmart or something, you know. I mean, seriously, the other day I was just walking around and uh, the scripture came to me, didn't have my Bible, it's in my vehicle. I just looked it up on the phone. I just paused right there in the, you know, the uh, candy section. I like Hershey's candy because uh, Mr. Hershey was a man of God. And so I was over there getting my little stack of Hershey's and uh, the Lord spoke to me a particular scripture. And guess what it was? Micah 6, 8. <laughs> Check this out. Micah 6, 8. Watch this. Micah 6 eight, it says, watch this. He who has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Watch this. But to do justly, to love mercy, and watch this, and to walk humbly with your God. What does God require of you and I? To walk humbly, to walk with him, not walk away from him. Not run away from him, but to walk towards him. You say, Pastor Brian, you just don't know what I've done. Well, I'm telling you what, that goes back to what it says there in Hebrews 11. It says to what? To believe that with God, he is who he is. And that he absolutely not only can forgive you and restore you, but he will lead and guide you and make that situation right if you will allow him. And notice what it says here. It says to do what? To, be, to, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. I look, I look at a lot of times that people are doing evil things, and I'm thinking, wow. I, you know what they need? They need the mercy of God. Yes, they're doing wrong. Yes, they're doing judgment. I'll never forget that time. Um, this was when I was working with uh, uh, Congressman Duncan Hunter, and... Um, I was there at the Capitol a lot, and I was around Senator Kennedy a lot. And, uh, and again, he's Senator Kennedy. He's a part of the Kennedy family. And, of course, you know, all the things about his life. But every time I was around him, and by the way, he's a nice man. He's nice to me. He's, I mean, he was, he was, as a matter of fact, in that environment, he was very nice to me, very kind to me, very, very, uh, a very nice man to meet and a very nice man to dialogue with. But he, you know, he had some things that were absolutely messed up about his life and his beliefs and, and of course, his politics, if you allow me to say that. But every time I was around him, and the last time I was around him, specifically this verse of scripture came, that I prayed the mercy of God over him. He was, he was over at a copy machine. I've shared this before, but just bear with me. He was at a copy copier. I don't know why, because he's got he had all kinds of people working for him. But he was over there to copier, and I was actually waiting to use the copier myself. He's over there running copies, and the thing was jamming and, and all that. So, you know, we was helping him out, and he got it all done, and he put it all together, and he turned around and looked at me and smiled and, you know, just greeted, and, you know, just really, really a cordial guy. But as I watched him, 
I was in the room and I was waiting on the, the machine to reboot, the computer, I mean, the copier to reboot. I just said, Lord, you know, whatever happened to his life and the Chappaquiddick situation with that girl and all these things and his, his life, have mercy upon this man. 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 And, uh, you know, that's just sometimes the way you have to look at it. And, you know, Lord, hey, you have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon him. Because, you know, he may be the most powerful political man from the state of Massachusetts. And he may be a United States senator. But one day he's going to be in eternity. And that's all that matters. And one day you and I are going to be in eternity. So what, what's most important? Our legacy is not, again, to accomplish great things. Yes, those things are important. But to me, is to walk with God. And I just want to leave you with these four things. Again, this is, please, this is not of Enoch's life. This is Brian's life. This is where I am. And we'll talk about this more. We can discuss it more. And I'll be glad to talk with you about it more. But to me, and walking with God, and wanting to walk with God, I'm not doing this series just to be preaching a message. This is something the Lord strongly is dealing with me about to not only help myself, but to help you. Because I want to see this. I, I don't want you to walk away from God. I don't want, the last thing I want to see happen is when you go to heaven and you meet Jesus and you're introduced to him. You can't, if I walk back there, I'm not going to be introduced to Sheila. I know Sheila. Now, I know her in a way I know no other human being. But let me take it to another step. I know Don Anderson. You don't have to introduce me to Don Anderson. I know him, and he knows me. And I, I think for me as a pastor, it would hurt me more for you to say, well, Jesus knows everything about me, and he knows everything that I do, and all this. Yes, he does, and yes, God's all of that. But if you never talk to him other than an emergency situation, I like what this man said the other day. I thought this was funny. He says, I have, uh, how do you say it? I, I, I'm probably going to mess this up. He said, uh, my relationship with God is the way, no, nah, I better not. He said, well, my relationship, some people's relationship with God is like my relationship with my wife. And uh, what's that? Um, what did he say? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, but anyway, I had to get Mr. Anderson to get that joke about something about the fact that, um, what was that, Lord? That uh, you, uh, the only time I hear from you is when you need something. You never praise me or thank me, but the only time I hear from you is when you need something. And that's the point of it, you know. Again, I, I, listen, I know that God is a 911 God. I understand that. But there's sometimes where. God doesn't want to be known as a 911 God. He wants to be known as your friend. You say, a friend? Yeah. There's people in the Bible that were called friends of God. And there are people in the Bible that are enemies of God. And I don't want you to be an enemy of God. And I don't want you to be distant from God. I want you to be a friend of God. I want you to know Him. Listen, He is God. He doesn't need anything from you. He doesn't want anything from you. And... He just loves you so much that he's proven 2,000 plus years ago that he would give his very best to love you. If you were the only person, and I know you've heard this before, but it's so true. If you were the only human being after the flood, he would still give his son Jesus to own you. 
and the fact of love and you being with him forever. And so walking with God to me is just four things. And again, these are, these are Brian Jacobs. These are things I'm practicing. These are things I'm working on. I, listen, every single day I study this instrument. Every single day I, I, I view videos. Um, I look at uh, different teachers and their books that I'm going through. I'm not planning on playing professionally or anything. I may do some recording in the future, but right now um, I'm just studying. I'm being a student of it. There's things that I'm playing now that I've never, I've always wanted to play, never played. And just, I studied every day because the more I studied, actually, the more I realized how much I don't know. <laughs> it's this amazing thing. But walking with God is the same way. And here's the four things. First of all, walking with God is a constant awareness and again, you can either jot these down or memorize these or, or I mean, or, or, or just put these in your own life, whatever you want to do. And this is just to me, walking with God is a constant awareness that I'm constantly aware of his presence, that I'm constantly aware that he would never leave me nor forsake me, that I, you'll never hear me get up here and pray, oh God, we thank you for your presence and joining us today here in this church. So I understand where there's a corporate presence of God when we come in as agreement, I mean, coming together as believers. But you know what? If the Bible's true, which it is, he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. So he's with you all the time. But you need to be conscious of that because God's a gentleman. He's not a pushy person. And so acknowledging him is so important. You say, well, Pastor Brian, I'm in the Walmart. Do I need to be sensitive to the Lord in the Walmart? Well, I think you ought to be. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe that's a good place to be. I just want to be consciously aware of it. Number two, I want to be constantly listening to him inside of my spirit. I, again, not these paddles on my head, as one minister calls them, your ears. But the listing on the inside, Lord, I want to hear your voice out. Just speak the scripture to me. Speak something to me. And again, this is what I'm practicing actually as a pastor is, again, when I send you a text, I've said this before, I'm saying it again, but I'm going to reiterate it. I don't send you a text every week, most of you. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But when I do send you a text, and I am checking on you, I want you to know on the other side of that text, or the other side of that note, or the other side of that Facebook situation, is a sincere listening to God that I sense, everybody sense, they sense, I sense that you're going through something. It may not be horrible. It may not be, sometimes it is. It could be bad. But on the other times, I just, it's that God wants me to partner with him to partner to help you. And so, you know, you can tell me that everything's fine, all the blah, 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 don't need anything. That's fine. But you know what? You better take that up with your heavenly father who's trying to use an earthly vessel to reach out to you to make sure you're all right. Candace is here, and she works in a, in a mall situation. And so her and Terry and others, when I go visit somebody, yes, sometimes I go to the mall by myself to shop, but then sometimes I'll specifically go to somewhere somebody is just to talk to them and see them. Hey, and yes, it's a social visit, but sometimes it's because of this. And so I want you to know, your pastor wants to help you like a true shepherd wants to help you. And so I'm just saying that, okay? I I'm here to help you. And by the way, you know me, if I don't have the answer, I'm going to find it. 
If you need a car, I'm taking you to Toyota. <laughs> if you need a job, I'm going to help you find a job. If you need money, we're going to get with the elders and we're going to try to help you financially. And number three, if you need healing, you better know that Pastor Brian and this team of people over here to my right and others all on this side of these precious prayer team people, we're going to rally behind you to believe for your healing because that's walking with God. And I, I again, I want you to know you can be sensitive to that too. It's not about me doing all the ministry. One of the greatest joys of my life is to see people successful in the Lord. I'm telling you what, when you tell me like the other day, you told me you got a promotion. You know what, man, that I am happy. I am walking on cloud nine for you to get a new car, even though some of you bought, didn't buy Toyotas. Even, <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding about the Toyota thing. Seriously, when you get a promotion or when you buy a new house or something that I know that's in the peace of God, not in the flesh, okay? I've seen y'all and I've loved y'all. Y'all bought some things that are in the flesh and I'm like, man, that is not going to work. It's just not going to work. But you know what? You had to learn your lesson, okay? And you call me and, you know, you know, or post it on Facebook that you learned your lesson, okay? And I understand that. But there are times when you have success or times when you post an encouraging word. Listen, I'm your biggest cheerleader, okay? And also at the same time, I'm the person who knows when you're walking away from God. I can see it because it's easy for me to see. Anyway, hallelujah. Number three, walking with God's asking questions. To me, Lord, tell me what you want me. What, what should I do in this situation? How should I respond and how should I react? I don't question God to why you did this, why you do that. I, no, I just want to know what do I need to do? How do I, what do I do in this situation? That's what I do. And that's, that has so helped me recently in dealing with my own family. My own, my own parents and my own dad's situation is, Lord, how do I respond and react? Every single day now, I'm having to deal with his, his physical situation. How do I respond to that? Can I get into worry? Can I get into fear? Can I get into distraction? Yes, I can. But if I'm walking with you, then I can get answers from you. And I'm telling you what, it's just getting answers from the Lord about things that are pressing or absolutely brings peace. And then finally, walking with God is a dialogue, not a monologue. There comes times where, like yesterday, is sometimes you just need to, I did, I did it early this morning, sometimes you just need to sit and not say anything, not do anything, not read anything, not play anything, shut your mind down, which could take 10, 15 minutes or longer for some of you, and just be still and know who is God. Just be still for a moment. And by the way, you can do that driving. You can, and by the way, concentrate on your driving. But I mean, you know, don't, don't give place to that. But I'm saying sometimes it's good just to be still. It's good just to be in the point of hearing. We are so busy and we're running so fast I heard this the other day, and it really, uh, again, I, I don't know anything about this person, never talked to him a day in my life or whatever, but I listened to him on the radio, the Rush Limbaugh, and was talking about, and he's probably one of the wealthiest men in the entertainment industry. His, his income and all that was just is enormous, and his wealth was, 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 was just, it was massive. Anyway, was talking about his life was going just full blast, and then all of a sudden, it just stopped. It just stopped. Communication, interaction, 
Everything in his life stopped the day he died. And his family, his wife, his wife was talking about how fast we were moving through life. And she said this. She said, with all that we had, and now I knew where she was coming from. She said, with all that they had, which they had money for everything. I mean, you know, he was worth nearly $500 million. I mean, his salary was just is amazing. For, for the, for, and being in the communication business is one of the highest that I know of. But my point is to have all of that and never enjoy it. Never enjoy simple things. Never enjoy the things that God has given us. You know, that's why I work at it every Christmas. It, man, just, it upsets me, but even though I get through it, that Christmas is so fast and so short. I wish it was four months instead of two, one month, you know? I mean, it just seemed like we just put the Christmas tree up, okay? And Sheila is misdecorated. I mean, man, our house is awesome. I mean, we got Santa Clauses doing everything. I mean, they're all over the place. And I mean, it's beautiful and it's all these colors and it's awesome and the tree's immaculate and it's, it's everything. And then all of a sudden we got it all up there and it seems like it's up there for about two weeks and then she's in there taking it down. I'm like, man, we didn't hardly enjoy this, you know? And we fly through life so fast, and then all of a sudden, here's another birthday, and here's another, another birthday, and here's another birthday, and here's another year, and here's this, and here's that. And did we really know anything about our Heavenly Father whom we're going to spend the rest of our lives with? In eternity. And guess what? There is no house payment up there. There is no mortgage. There's the ultimate way to travel. Think about it, okay? There is no sickness. There is no disease. And we're going to spend eternity on that side, but we're not enjoying it over here. I want to be enjoying a little bit of that over here in this crazy, rotten world. And I don't want my life dictated by, you know, all the negative media that comes out every single day and who's in the White House and who's in Congress and who's on the radio acting like a fool and who's on television. Let them act like a fool. They've done that for thousands of years now. I want to walk with God. I want you to walk with God. And I want it to be not an introduction when you meet him. I want him to say, I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're home. I'm glad you're home. It's so good to have you here instead of there. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I know I bore my soul here, uh, but you know what? This is just where I am, and I'm not here to preach and, and to entertain you and make you feel good and to give you all these great points about what you need to do and what you should be doing. I'm here to just encourage you on who you are. You are a child of Almighty God, and He wants to know you intimately. He wants to walk with you. And by the way, Enoch was a pretty busy man with a busy family and a generation that was just as evil as ours. But the Bible says clearly, Dave, that he walked with God all that time. And if he can do it, we can do it. I mean, by the way, remember, that generation was worse than this one. So no complaints. Compared to them, compared to now. So if he can do it, we can do it. And he didn't have a Toyota. He didn't have a cell phone. He didn't have a website. And for, for the love of God, he didn't have Starbucks. Some of you are so addicted to Starbucks. It's like, you know, it is your, you know, if you can't have your Starbucks, you know, there's another side of you that comes out. It's like, hey, Pastor Brian, if I don't have my Starbucks, I'm going to turn into an animal or some creature of some kind. Good Lord. I'll take you by the Starbucks for your $25 drink, but you're paying for it, not me. But seriously, I mean, I, I was that same way because I'm preaching at you. What I used to feel the same way about Starbucks. 
And then I had the revelation that Richard had one day. First of all, why in the world am I paying all this money for this drink? Number one. Number two is my whole dependency of joy about if I get a front. I can't even pronounce all the drinks now that I used to have, okay? But I did like Kenyan coffee, okay? Kenyan coffee is, was awesome. And, um, and Kona coffee from Hawaii. So I did buy that. But I'm, is my life focused? And by the way, there's nothing wrong with drinking coffee. Hear my heart. Hear my heart. I have people that drink coffee that absolutely have no addiction to it at all and have no problem with it, okay? My point with is, if that's your joy, if your dependency on the morning is you've got to live by caffeine, not on knowing God. Listen. The presence of God feels greater than anything in this life that I've ever experienced. The presence of God feels greater than anything I've ever experienced. Anything, anything. I mean everything in my life. Nothing compares to it. I love my wife. I love my children. I love my family. You are the greatest church to pastor. Y'all love me unconditionally. Y'all support me. I'm telling you what, if I said I needed $200, which I don't need, you'd be all over the place. If I needed my grass cut, which I don't, you'd be all over the place. If I needed a pair of socks, Man, I'd be, I've had socks for the rest of my life. You are the most gracious, most giving, most loving, most kind people to pastor and shepherd. And I love you too because I want the best for you. And you know that I do when I send you those notes. That I'm not just Mr. Check on you. I'm not hired. And I'm not here to earn a salary. And I'm not here to be famous. And I don't have my name on the front of the sign. And I don't care if you call me pastor or not. It doesn't matter to me. I appreciate the respect. I am pastor. You can call me pastor if you want to. You can call me. It doesn't really matter. There's only one voice that I want to hear. And that's the voice of the Lord in my heart that says to me, son. And since my dad has come to a place where he can't communicate and connect to me, this is where I'm pushing my relationship with my father. Because I deeply miss not being able to call my daddy after church and talk to him. And when you get to a place where you look back and regret that you could have done more, and now you're in a place where you can't do it, it has a, a remarkable way of affecting you. And in my relationship with my dad, I mean, we had a good relationship, and he founded this church with me, so there's, there's nothing wrong. He was my greatest supporter. But to know that he's not there other than body... I wish I'd have taken advantage of more of the time that I had. And I just don't want you to go to heaven one day and uh, be introduced to God. That's my heart as a pastor. Father, I just thank you so much in Jesus' name for helping us to know you more intimately. And not letting anything in our lives be of a hindrance of that relationship, which is the greatest relationship of all. That Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross 2,000 years ago, not only to forgive us of our sins, but to give us a relationship with God. And we're so thankful. It's not just about salvation. Thank God we're saved from hell. We're so grateful that we're saved from hell. We're so grateful that we are forgiven. 
But I pray for every person in this auditorium that I love dearly and those that are watching that I miss dearly, that we would know you in a personal way. And I pray over every person here and every person there that whatever may be hindering their relationship with you, whatever that may be, that they will set that aside and they will talk to you as a, as a child talks to their father because you are our father. And Jesus, you said it best in the Lord's Prayer. You said, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And so today we say, hallowed be your name, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I love and appreciate y'all so much. I appreciate y'all bearing with me as I bear my soul. But again, I do it out of the realness of what I want for you is the best life now. In Jesus' name.